Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to post-Thanksgiving episode of the Baseball Insiders here to recalibrate the baseball rumor mill ahead of the winter meetings after the holiday. I'm here, joined as always by fan-sided MLB insider Robert Murray. How you doing, man? I am great, man. It's good to be back. Uh, we missed it for Thanksgiving. I'm hoping everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Adam, you too, as a as a now married man. So, yeah, how how we doing? Doing good. Uh, yeah, I'd say the marriage didn't change my Thanksgiving all that much. I, uh, I still went to my parents' mm-hmm. house. We're going to uh, her family for Christmas, uh, which is their major holiday. But but Robert, I heard. Uh, little birdie told me that you had a pretty eventful Thanksgiving dinner. Am I am I right about that? Yeah, I was casually just eating dinner with my family, like as you typically do on Thanksgiving. Normal, such normal behavior for that day. Yeah, and like I had told them, I'm going to disconnect for the day. It's going to be a family day. It's going to be I don't know. It's just going to be a chill day. I had my phone right next to me just in case. And as I was taking a bite of Thanksgiving dinner, my phone lights up and I look. And it's a text saying that Jacob Webb is signing with the Los Angeles Angels. So the first um, Thanksgiving dinner that I've had in Arizona, I ended up breaking a story as I was eating. My family, they were very understanding. I'm very appreciative of them, but uh, I had to to do some sucking up afterwards to, to make up for it. I love that we have the Burt Bomb designation at the bottom of the screen. I don't know if it's for the Jacob Webb deal or for the revelation that you had to stop mid bite and tweet out a contract uh which but like if you've spent any time like anybody who's watched these streams knows that sometimes news just hits you like that's not shocking it's how it goes down and uh were you still able to finish dinner or or, you know was was the vibe off from that point no i was able to get it out right away and then my family was all asking like what are you doing and i'm like i just i just reported a story with the angels and then they're like, oh, okay. And I just casually went back to eating dinner and like nothing happened. So my little cousin, Connor, who was like, that's my guy. Um, he was pretty, he thought that was pretty cool. So I, I felt like the cool cousin, at least for for once in my life. Does Connor have Twitter? You, you didn't want to give him the Jacob Webb scoop or no? No, he does not have Twitter. He's one of the smart ones. He does not have any social media whatsoever. It's like, I'm, I'm wicked jealous of that. Good boy, because he's not going to have to pivot to Instagram or, or anything weird like that. I uh, yeah, I didn't break I didn't break anything of my Thanksgiving dinner. I think I broke a like a can of beer watching the uh, second half of Giants Cowboys, but I certainly did not break any news. Uh, we are here to keep up with the rumors as best we can. Uh, maybe we break something on the pod. You never know. Uh, now is the perfect time for all of you to subscribe to the feed on YouTube. 3 o'clock, 3.30 Eastern time on Mondays and Thursdays. But next week is the winter meetings. So you're going to expect plenty more live drops next week. We're going to be trying to go live every day. Uh, and we're going to be going live as much as we can to empty Robert's notebook. And uh, we we got a couple of moves uh, both this weekend and into the week. Uh, I think we were hoping for a bit of an avalanche cavalcade to really talk about uh, clarifying some rumors and fits. We got a few, and we got friend of the show, Mike Clevenger, on the move. 
Chicago White Sox, uh, we are uh, big fans of Clev. Uh, he is uh, someone who did not maybe get the chance to dominate in San Diego that we had looked uh, for him to get uh, over the time, uh, you know, that since that trade, that, that big old trade that sent him from Cleveland to the Padres um, went down. Uh, but now he's going to get a chance to rebuild his value in Chicago. Uh, what are you thinking about that? Is that a good fit? And obviously we'll talk about the ramifications in a little bit, but big time chance to rebuild his value with a supposed AL central contender back where his career began. Yeah. And this is the white Sox have long been interested in Clevenger. Um, that is, he's somebody that they try to trade for when the guardians were shopping him years ago. And um Ultimately, they, they were one of the most aggressive teams when it came to Clevenger in the offseason. And there were some questions on whether or not he would get like $8 million per year, $10 million per year, or even like 12 to 15 in that area. Like it was a pretty wide ballpark that I was hearing from, from outside people. Um, but the contract, it's, it's a little unique. It's $12 million like guaranteed. Um, but there's word that there might be like a, an option or like a mutual option in there um, to like spread out the, the guaranteed money. But for Clevenger, like that is a contract that makes a whole lot of sense. A one-year deal where he's going to try to revamp and like get healthy and also like re-jump his career or jumpstart his career again. Um, and he even dealt with some injuries last year that I don't think many people knew about. He dealt with a knee injury um, and that kind of impacted his ability on the mound. Um, so I think it's a worthy gamble by the White Sox. It's getting some Twitter crit- criticism, and I'm, I understand it because he struggled last year. Um, but he's got the the ability to be a really solid number two. And for eight million this year, or for twelve million, I mean, um, yeah, for twelve million guaranteed, I think it's a worthy gamble. And um, now the White Sox don't have to worry about the rotation. I think they're in a really good spot there. And Ethan Katz, their pitching coach, um, is very highly regarded in league circles. I think Clev did pretty well there. So did the White Sox. Do you think it's anything beyond a worthy gamble? Do you think that this spills over into the rest of the White Sox offseason? Because we've heard a little bit about them. Lucas Giolito, former guest on our show, told us he had never had extension talks with the team. Uh, you're starting to see his name leak into trade rumors at this point, uh, ahead of the winter meetings uh, and ahead of his final season of team control in Chicago. Do you yep. feel like this is, like you said, this is insurance, this is a potential bounce back, we're just going to see what we have in Clevenger, or do you feel like this frees them up to make another rotation move, potentially? I mean, it could, but I don't know if it necessarily would be Lucas Giolito because he's coming off of a pretty down season, and the White Sox would be selling low in this case. So, like, I don't know about you, but I, I if I was a White Sox, I would hold on to Giolito um, unless some team – offers the moon and coming or considering his, his last season, I don't envision that scenario presenting itself. Yeah. This is like you said, probably more of just an attempt to get some value out of someone who has previously been a star, a star caliber player who, like we said, got a haul on his way to San Diego. Now you can have him for money alone. So let's see what happens there. Uh, the Clevenger move was not the only one of the weekend though. If you consider Monday, the weekend, which I don't, and I'm going to self-correct there and say, I don't know why I said that was the weekend, but just before this pod went live, Jose Abreu to the Houston Astros. It's something that I think would be considered a gamble. Similarly, if it weren't the defending world series champions, adding a 36 year old at $20 million a year, 
I think a lot of people would look at other teams doing that and saying, you got Jordan Alvarez, you got Abreu, one's the DH, one's the first baseman. Uh, how are they going to juggle that? Are we sure his power is going to age well? Then he goes to Houston and everybody goes, forget the money. Who cares? Crawford boxes, 30 homers next year. Uh, how are you feeling in the immediate wake of the Abreu contract? I, I think it's really it's a smart move by the Astros because they've been looking for a player like this. They, they targeted Anthony Rizzo, but of course he ended up um, re-signing with the Yankees. Um, and it was either you can re-sign a guy like Yuli Gurriel, you could pursue Jose Abreu. You could even look at a guy like Josh Bell. Um, but Abreu was the one that they targeted and they ultimately signed. And I know three years for 60 or three years for 58.5 million is I, I believe that's what the number is mm-hmm. uh, for Abreu. Um, I believe that number, like it, it sounds like a lot, but there was predictions that I had heard even last week that he could be looking at like three years for like 66, which that blew my mind. Um, cause I, I just didn't think of the season or after the season that he was coming off of that he'd be getting in the range of like 20 to 22 million a year, but the Astros clearly like him, and it continues their trend of spending without a general manager, which I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty I don't know. I think it's very strange, but um, Jim Crane is obviously very involved there. I think it's Bill Furcus who is like their point person now, um, who's their assistant GM as well. So um, I don't think the Astros are necessarily done by any means, but the Abreu addition was a very, I think that was a very savvy move by them. Done by not a GM done by executed by Jim Crane, I guess. Uh, yeah. These Astros running leaps and bounds around the rest of the league without anybody uh, in charge of the front office at this point. Uh, so you mentioned, you don't think they're done. I think obviously that. So the next questions are, where does the first base market go from here? And where do the Astros go from here? I think I'll tackle the Astros first, just to say, what other needs are there? They upgraded from Yuli Gurriel, who had a tough regular season and a good postseason as always. They upgraded to one of the best hitting first baseman in baseball. So where are the holes? What's next? I would imagine it's a starting pitcher, especially with Justin Verlander unsigned right now. And John Heyman of MLB Network reported earlier that he's meeting with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And it is no sure thing that I just got. Okay, never mind. We're all good. Um, But it is no sure thing, in my opinion, that Verlander resigns with the Astros because Last year, it seemed like a it was like a pretty strong likelihood that he would um, that he would resign. But this year, he's doing more of his due diligence. He ended up meeting with the New York Mets. Um, and Heyman says he's meeting with um, with the Dodgers. So there's, he's meeting with teams. He's doing more than his due diligence here um, to hear these teams out, and he's going to want a deal um, at least according to MLB.com that is in the range of Max Scherzer's three year for 130 million contract. So. I'd imagine money in this case is pretty important. And if you look at the three teams that are involved, you have, oh, well, I mean, three of them that reportedly at least. I mean, there could be others, but the Mets, Dodgers, Astros, what do they all have in common? They win. And um, Max Scherzer was pretty sold by Steve Cohen's pitch last year uh, when they ended up meeting face or meeting on Zoom or even face to face. I can't remember which one it was, but, and now that the Mets have like the, like they've shown that they can win in the regular season. It makes them that much more enticing for a guy like Verlander. So you never know. Yeah, strange October for the Mets, but 
again, don't let that erase a full regular season where they basically did, did everything that they promised they would do. The chat's blowing up. I'm going to pivot to a few of these, but obviously a lot of them in a row asking about that pitching market that you brought up. Uh, you know, how realistic is Verlander to the Dodgers? Brian chiming in with Jake back to the Mets, JV to the Dodgers or Astros, Rudon to the Rangers or Giants. I'm hearing all sorts of things as a layperson about Rudon, but let's sort of... Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's take it one at a time. Um, If all these markets, socks and shoes popping in here, I mean, everybody wants to know about the pitchers and everybody can see the clear line of demarcation where it goes. Top of the market, Verlander, DeGrom, Rodon, maybe a tick below, but also not really. And then you get to the Evaldi and company. Um, does the Verlander meeting with the Dodgers, I guess, feel significant to you in that pursuit? Or is that more, uh, you know, a meeting where both sides get together, the Dodgers give him another short-term high AV deal, and then he brings it back to the Mets and says, here's what I'm offering, and brings it to the Astros and says, how do you feel about this? Um, the Dodgers have not been – have been – Floating in and out of the high end of the market, but haven't closed the deal a lot lately. Do you think no. this meeting is significant, or do you think they're just one of many contenders for Verlander services? See, I've been wondering about this for like the high end pitchers of like Rodon, Degrom, and Verlanders. Obviously, like those guys are like the cream of the crop, but um, I wonder how many of these teams can actually afford them. And to me, I think any team that meets face to face. Or I think I think Heyman said it was face to face. Don't I could be getting that wrong. But, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, meeting face to face to me is a, a pretty significant because that that shows to me like the interest is serious on both sides. Um, so I, I don't think they would just be doing that just to be doing it. Um, so I, I think that's I think it's pretty telling there. But like it's. I'm I'm really starting to wonder what this market could look like because there's ever since Bruce Bochy went to Texas, there has been a lot of like dot connecting behind the scenes with Carlos Rodon in Texas. Um, and then in that case, because I think Texas is the biggest threat to sign to grab away from the Mets. So let's say that Rodon does go to Texas, then I think it becomes more clear that DeGrom, like in that case, might go back to New York. Um, and then where does that leave Verlander? It leaves him with either the Astros or the Dodgers or maybe a mystery team that's in there. I don't know, but um, it's fascinating. It's uh, There's not much clarity yet at this point because it's still pretty early in the offseason, but it's possible. Like I know there's been reports that Nathan of all these markets been heating up. I don't necessarily think it's anything close there from what I've gathered, um, but certainly like a lot of these teams are poking around the starting pitching market, so I'm – I'm relatively like I'm fascinated to see like what this next week leading up into the winter meetings brings. I was collecting Rudon teams just personally over the weekend, and every time I heard a new one, I tried to flag it mentally as like possible, not possible. What are we talking about here? Um, but in terms of like who can reach Degrom's number, we've kept t- we've been talking all along about how it seems pretty limited. 
And who can reach Verlander's number? It's either this slight hometown discount in Houston, like it maybe was last year, or it's the Dodgers, or it's the Mets, or I guess it's the Yankees, but I still am inclined to agree that's probably not so realistic. The Rodon market seems to include many more names. You're seeing the Dodgers. You're seeing the Rangers towards the forefront with him and Senga. I heard the Twins were in contact. I heard the Yankees were in contact. I heard the Phillies were involved. Uh, Like you said, we're a ways away, and none of these are going to get settled until one of the big fish goes. But the Rodon market seems pretty massive right now. Is it Texas in the lead, Uh, as as one of our commenters asked? Or or is that market just totally unclarified and dependent on what Verlander and DeGrom do? See, I'm always hesitant to say that somebody's in the lead for a player um, because everything can change with one phone call. I've learned that very quickly. There's been cases where... Um, I, I was confident a player was going somewhere. Um, and all of a sudden 30 minutes later, I get a text saying someone is signing with whoever. And it's just like, Oh, I didn't see that coming. So I'm, I'm hesitant to say that anybody is in the lead for Rodon or any of these guys, but the interest in Rodon is pretty, is pretty massive here. Um, and I, I'm glad that you mentioned the Phillies and the twins, because I think they're, they're two dark horses in this. Um, the Phillies, they, they could use another starting pitcher, um, like a high end starter to pair with Zach Wheeler and then also Aaron Noah. And he would certainly fit there. Um, the twins have needed a frontline starter for quite a while now and they want to compete and maybe, I mean, maybe they end up pulling it off with a guy like Rodon or maybe somebody of a lesser degree. Um, I don't know if they'd be necessarily in on the Verlander and DeGrom sweepstakes, but I could be wrong there. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's. I think the Phillies are a really interesting one too, and I'll get into this one because like they, I mean, as I mentioned, they could use another like frontline starting pitcher, but they also could use a guy like Trey Turner, and I know they've been connected to Xander Bogarts, um, but it's it's the Phillies to me. I think. They're a team that we're not talking about enough in the shortstop market. So I think that might be – sorry, I'm getting getting a text. We'd... Yeah, I, I love this time of year, man, where it's just rumor soup. Like, your phone's blowing up. I'm trying to make sense of a sentence that starts with Carlos Rodon and the Phillies and ends with Trey Turner and Xander Bogarts, and yet somehow I'm nodding along being like, yep, that makes total sense. Like, the Phillies are players at the top of the rotation market. The Phillies are players in the shortstop market. The Twins could go for Verlander, Rodon – DeGrom, we just don't know. Um, but the uh, the Twins thing reminds me a little bit of the Red Sox in an odd way where, you know, they Abreu is one of their targets. They lose out on Abreu. He goes to Houston, or at least one of their rumored targets. And the Red Sox discourse is immediately like, Houston's the world champs, and they gave him an uncomfortable contract. It's both things. They're ahead of you in the standings. They offered a lot of money. So if you want somebody like that, you're going to have to make it uncomfortable on yourself. And the Twins front of the rotation situation reminds me of that, where it's like, not going to be the front runners for Rodon, and who knows what they're telling Carlos Correa right now, but they have had a front of the rotation vacancy for 20 years as an AL Central contender most of those seasons. They don't usually bottom out. They win that division a lot. They make the playoffs a lot. And the number one starter is always Scott Baker or Kyle Loesch. There's never a number one starter in Minnesota. So Brad Radke. So like, if you're going to do it, it's going to be uncomfortable, but at some point you have to do it. So why not run off? 
I'm in total agreement. I'm also trying to figure out the last, like the last starter that the Twins had. Like that was a like, unquestioned ace. It wasn't Johan Santana, was it? It might have been Liriano, Carl Pavano. Carl, wow, good shot. I've heard Carl Pavano's name twice in the last week. Like, what's up with that? That's a name that I hadn't heard for like three years. Way um, too many times. But no, I, I do agree though. Like Rodon would be a phenomenal fit for the Twins. I think that's something that they really should explore. I don't know exactly how serious they are on it, but like if I was running the show there, I would do that. But I, you also got to worry about Correa because I, I'm telling you, it's I would not rule out the Twins for Carlos Correa. I'm yeah. The more I've heard about that, like the more it's like, okay, maybe they do have a shot to re- retain him. As time marches on, I'm sort of inclined to a agree with you and b when I looked at the secondary teams, are Baltimore Orioles. Uh, and maybe the Cubbies, but I'm pivoting away from the Dodgers a little bit there mentally, too. I don't know if I should be, but I am. Sorry. Hang on. Sorry. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I didn't mean to. Yeah. No, sorry. no, no. I'm going to – I'm just preparing you. I'm probably yeah. going to start pivoting because these comments oh. – section is popping off. That's how you know it's oh, almost no. the winter meetings. Damn uh, right. Everybody wants to know about their team. So – uh, we're going to be getting to all of you folks shortly, or at least as many as we can. And those who we don't call out directly, you are inspiring the broadcast today. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm using your questions to direct the conversation. So I'm going to try to hit as many of you as I can. A lot of people want to know about Radon. A lot of people want to know about the Phillies. Hopefully we've covered some of that. But I don't want to be uh, neglectful of the other team that actually made a move this weekend. Uh, we talked about Clevenger. We talked about the late-breaking Brady deal. I forgot. Smoothest signing of the weekend, Carlos Santana to the Pirates. Uh, one of their largest allocations yeah. in recent uh, years, honestly, which is weird, but it's true. Uh, they decided to take the Carlos Santana plunge. And so we do have Austin Glob uh, asking us where the Pirates are going to pivot after that, after the moves they've already made. My first inclination is to look at that and laugh, but they have already made moves. Carlos Santana, there he is. Uh, he had a pretty good... He had a pretty good uh, year last year is a pretty clutch yeah. member of the 2022 Seattle Mariners after the moves they've already made do you see them being players in the outfield market and I think that question goes against consensus because I think you and I have seen them in the recent past as players to trade Brian Reynolds trade from their own outfield uh, but uh, Ethan Fisher also asking about how active he thinks the Pirates are going to be uh, and he thinks they're going to uh, pass and thinks they're going to continue to add link to Kyle Gibson uh, what's next for the Pirates and the outfield market specifically, in your opinion? Yeah, so the Pirates, they are absolutely in on Kyle Gibson, not much I can say. Um, and they are also looking for experienced hitters. And like they've looked at um, some veteran options in the outfield market, I think. Um, maybe a guy like Jace Peterson would make sense for the Pirates. Um, I think that could be someone that they would like because he's got experience. Um, and in the outfield, he could also be like a veteran guy that they could use in the clubhouse too to like, I don't know. I, I think that is a name that would certainly make sense there, but um, they are looking at a lot of different options. It's not going to be any of the high end options by any means, but I would fully expect them to add another hitter or two. Um, I would fully expect them to add another starting pitcher. Um and I think their recent success with Tyler Anderson and Jose Quintana and like revitalizing their careers. Um, I think that is going to be something that other free agents look at and be like, Hey, maybe this is like a good spot for me to like get my career back on track on a 
very low AAV or maybe like even a mid-tier AAV, like a five or six or a seven million. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Pirates are far from done. And it's not going to be next year. It's going to be the year after that where I think their competitive window really starts to open up because they got they got some talent on that team. It's not often we can associate the Pirates and contending together, but like we're getting close to that point. They, they, ben Charrington has done a very, very, very good job there. And I think people need to remember when we're talking about players going to the Pirates, like a Kyle Gibson, like a Jace Peterson, and we're talking about, you know, Josh Bell to Detroit is a comment that's been dropped here. Like, do you see them pursuing teams like the Tigers in their current state and the Pirates in their current state are looking to sign to flip? Like you mentioned, Tyler Anderson, and Jose Quintana, any chance the Pirates have to do something like that again, they're going to do it. Because the contention window, it's, it's on the horizon. You got your Henry Davises, you got your O'Neill Cruises maturing. But right now, any more cracks they can get it at a midseason trade deadline deals, they're going to take them. So Kyle Gibson feels like an easy one to me. Yeah, pick up that flyer. See if you can get 10 and 3, 3.84 out of him and give him away at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like what the, the Rangers did a couple of years ago. They ended up signing Gibson or adding Gibson, and all of a sudden, they traded him and uh, was it Ian Kennedy to the Phillies? Was that? Mm-hmm. I think that's right. They ended up getting a decent prospect haul in return. So maybe Pirates can do something like that, or maybe they just sign him for another year uh, or sign him for a year and then try to resign him after that year. Like they, they got some options there, but like Gibson is not the only one that they're looking at, but he is certainly someone that is on the radar. So um, Pirates continue to be active behind the scenes for sure. Behind the scenes, but we try to bring the behind the scenes. To the front of the scenes. And uh, thanks and for the question. Yeah. That right there is why you subscribe to the Baseball Insiders. Plus for Adam and, and the great job that he does too. He's and awesome. Robert and the great job that he does. This is a, uh, if you're buying stock in a podcast, maybe take your stock buying money, put it in this one, take it out of FTX, leave that sinking shit behind and, and drop your money in, in the Baseball Insiders. Um, you've, the last got, time there. <laughs> you've got uh, like a hundred questions here about the Red Sox too. And I find these funny. Because they, they're they on the same segment of my screen and they directly conflict with each other. And that's what's so fascinating about the Red Sox right now. We've got I see Ghost saying, how do the Red Sox spend their $85 million available? So much money the Red Sox have before they hit these luxury tax thresholds. And you have Brian in the same breath saying, is it looking like Xander Bogarts won't be coming back to Boston? A lot of teams are interested. And I'm interested in the Bogarts market for many reasons. But the Red Sox both have so much money to spend and just came up short on Abreu, and are opening the door to Xander Bogarts leaving. So, is Bogarts officially eyeing other opportunities like it feels like he might be? And if so, where is, where's that money going to go? Uh, is Bogarts the priority 1A and 1B? Or are the Red Sox sort of maybe going to end up sitting on this big pile of cash? So, I, I'm hesitant to say that Bogarts is their plan 1A and 1B because he's their plan 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D, and 1E. Like, that's Bogarts is like the Red Sox <laughs> top priority here. Um, and the Red Sox not making a like real attempt at re signing him. Um, I mean, this is kind of a, the bet that they made themselves. It's like now um, Scott Boris has the ability to talk to all these other teams and let Bogarts establish his like his value on the open market. And that's exactly what he wants to do with each of his free agents and him talking to these other teams. Like that does not mean he's not returning to Boston. That just him doing his due diligence. It's him like hearing what's out there on the market. 
I still would be very surprised if Bogarts does not resign with Boston, but um, and it, it may not happen as quick as Red Sox fans or anyone in Boston would prefer. Um, but this is what Boris does. He does not rush the market. He evaluates the market. And then when it's time, we uh, that's when he makes a decision. But we also got to remember this. We're not at the winter meetings yet. That's when a lot of this action tends to happen, or like right thereafter. I'm sure we're, we're, we're going to see deals between now and the winter meetings. Like I'm, I'm very confident in that, but the Bogarts one may just, it may drag out a little bit longer than people would prefer. The comment section is also sort of enamored with this idea of maybe Xander going to the winter meetings and never leaving, staying in San Diego uh, by the beach. Maybe he loves Pacific beach. Maybe he's a mission beach guy. Maybe he's like, he likes fries and his burritos instead of baked beans. Uh, I don't know, but we've got multiple Xander San Diego questions. So you're obviously still picking the Red Sox to ultimately, you know, prioritize Bogarts above all else and in their eyes get a job done. Is San Diego involved in the proceedings there? Um, or do you sort of just see it as socks, 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 socks? I so I can't say that I've independently heard that the Red or that the Padres are in on these like on Bogarts or even Trey Turner or anyone like that. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised because AJ Preller talks to anyone and everyone. He talks to every team. He talks to every agent about every player to see if they could get a value or, or whatnot. So um, I'm not necessarily in the camp that believes that the Padres are going to are going to spend big money on a shortstop because they still got to pay Tatis and Manny Machado. They still got to like upgrade their rotation. They still need to add, like, I mean, they could look at another, like, first base type or, like, a, kind of like a Josh Bell type because um, they were also in on Jose Abreu. Um, so I think they're going to probably spend their money in those areas, but I am I could be wrong. A.J. Preller does things that sometimes it's just like, oh, crap, I didn't see that coming. Um, but I, I would be pretty surprised if they ended up signing one of those top shortstops. I liked Abreu in San Diego, too. Obviously, Abreu preferred a ton of money to play for the defending world champions who won 106 games and do so every year. And who could blame him? But I was rooting for Abreu in San Diego. Not going to lie to you. Uh, and- That'd be pretty good, especially with that lineup. And now I will be rooting for Xander Bogart in San Diego. Sorry, it's what I have to do. Um, first stream of the week, I already got Tigers fans mad at me in the comments saying they're sick of flipping players at the deadline. I'm sorry. I know you are. It's, it's it's not a fun place to be in right now, but last year was supposed to be the year you made the leap, right? And then Riley Green didn't come up till midseason. Torkelson was Torkelson. Um, so maybe another year. I would say the I, – I'm surprised to see a Tigers fan say that Central's not so competitive after – I feel like it was America's consensus that the Guardians were competitive ahead of schedule and that the White Sox had a strange – step back but that you know we're still right alongside the, the upper tier and and so are the twins i would say that it's moderately competitive and just because a 91 team 91 win team is going to win it doesn't mean it's not competitive i don't know what your read on that is bert no i'm i'm right there on on your side on that one that uh, i think you summed that one up pretty well yeah sorry i i lost us a, i lost us a fan and a subscriber but henry hope you keep <laughs> hope you keep coming back because there will be tigers moves at the winter meetings um, and hey, I'm rooting for you, man. I don't want to see you flip these guys. I want to see you sign Josh Bell to a three-year deal, and he lives out 
all three years in Detroit. Um, while we're talking shortstops, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the Dodgers and their fit. Uh, there's been a hole there since Trey Turner's contract expired. I, you're seeing a lot of people saying, you know, the consensus is Turner is probably not so likely to return at this point. They're going to need to fill that gap, but you're reading like maybe they're going to cut payroll pretty significantly this offseason, or at least cut it below the stratosphere that you're used to from LA. Maybe Gavin Lux is the guy. This weekend, for the first time, I saw Willie Adamas get officially rumored there and that the Dodgers have shown interest in an Adamas trade. Of course they have. Why wouldn't you? That's somebody that you call on and check in on. You and I have talked about Adamas as a trade candidate a little bit. Obviously, it would take a massive haul. But have you heard anything there about that progressing to the point where we have to worry about it? Or is that just a Dodgers wish list money saving opportunity? I think that's probably a wish list like more in the pipe dream category because I just don't see the Brewers looking to trade Willie Adamas at this point. Um, at least not yet. And I think a lot of that is going to depend on what those extension talks look like. Um, just because I think that one, as I mentioned, that's going to be probably north of what Dansby Swanson eventually gets. Um, so it could be relatively expensive, especially with Christian Yelich's contract on the books. Um, but the Dodgers are not the only team that have checked in on Willie Adamas. Like another one, the Atlanta Braves, um, I mean, that's just teams doing their homework. It's nothing like um, – I'm not reading too much into it. I would, I would put a lot I – would, I would, I'm pretty confident that, that Willie Adamas is going to be a brewer by opening day. But that's not going to stop teams from checking in because look at, look at what happened with Josh Hader. For three years, offseason, trade deadline, all these teams checked in on Josh Hader were told no. And all of a sudden at the uh, – at the trade deadline this year, you had the Padres call, you had the Houston Astros call, you had a few other teams call and see, hey, is Josh Hader available? Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's make a trade. So, I mean, can't rule anything out, but like, yeah, as I said, I'm not, I'm not getting my hopes up on that one. What about the other tradable brewers? I think uh, you want to talk about something that's probably going to pick up at the winter meetings. Heard a lot of buzz about Colton Wong about a week or two weeks ago, then basically heard nothing. Um, that feels to me like a winter meeting staple, just a late night Wong bomb. Uh, obviously, the Woodruff and Burns things are a little more pipe dreamy. You, you're rolling your eyes at late night Wong bomb. Yeah, that, uh, that sounds oddly very dirty. Um, yeah, didn't roll off the tongue fantastically. I, I, you know when you say something and you're just not happy at all when it comes out of your mouth? and you're hoping people don't notice, but then you clearly did. That was, that was one of those. That's about 90% of the things that I say. So I can totally relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're crafting the next sentence being like, why did I say that other thing? Um, and that's what happened there. But <laughs> a late night censored uh, feels like a, a high possibility at the winter meetings. Do, do you still see Colton Wong being the most likely to move out of those sort of rumored brewers names? Yeah, I think Wong is, like the buzz among rival executives is that he probably is going to be the next one to be traded by the Brewers if they do indeed trade him. Um, I also wonder about a guy like Eric Lauer. Um, he is someone who's coming off of a pretty solid season, and I can't remember what his exact average or what he, what he's expected to get in arbitration, um, but maybe the Brewers get interested in him and get an offer that it's enticing to them. 
Um, so like that's another one that maybe, um, but I think Wong is by far and away like their most obvious trade candidate at this point. Now that Hunter Renfro has gone too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. That also went down. Uh, the the well-traveled Milwaukee Brewers outfielder who, when they asked him, uh, you know, about, did you see this coming or whatnot? He was like, yeah, no, writing's on the wall. I knew I was going to get traded. It's like, this guy, all this guy does is get traded. Of course he was. Yeah. What is this? Five teams in five years for him though? Mm -hmm. Bonkers. I'll tell you, it was, it was funny. Cause like I was, I got a text from a rival executive the day that trade was made, probably like two hours before it was announced. And he's like, what do you think of Hunter Renfro's fit for a team like the Angels? And I'm like, yeah, I love that fit. I think that makes a whole lot of sense. And all of a sudden, two hours later, um, the, the team's announced it. And he's like, dude, I was trying to tip you off. And I was like, make it more clear, man. This is, you're killing me. Yeah. You got to read the signals. It's like when your girl asked you if you like her in this dress. Like, of course you do. Why wouldn't you? But, like, she's going to buy it. She's not just asking. She's she doesn't want your take on fashion. She wants to wear no, especially it. mine. Yeah, I'll tell you. I got. Yeah, I let anyone besides me pick up my clothes. It's. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, it's I did get in a lot of trouble once for saying. And fellas, if you with me, it's, of course this is a baseball offseason pod. I once said, like, you know, of course you look great, but also I can't tell the difference between a good and a bad dress, and I got roasted for that. All dresses are fine. Right, yeah, you got you got much to learn, young grasshopper. Even though you're the you're the married one here, at, yeah, married uh, man, uh, elder pod statesman, and like, of course, this is a, a baseball nerd podcast. Is like, aren't all dresses good? But I did have that take, and I got flambéed for it. So chime in in the comments if you think all dresses are good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm 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 in that camp too. So we're yeah, I got no arguments on that one. So we like it. <laughs> we love it. Oh, uh, what else do we have to just, I mean, honestly, the comments are overwhelming. Makes me think we're going to have to get a separate server for the winter meetings podcast. Uh, but I love the chatter. There's nothing like it. Um, I wanted to ask about Joely Rodriguez at some point. And then I was like, well, I don't really have to ask about Joely Rodriguez. I don't have to do a Red Sox bullpen specific pod. Then somebody asked about it. Um, so <laughs> you do have to wonder. Uh, it is funny to watch. The dam isn't exactly breaking on the bullpen market. And yet here are the Red Sox just going, We've signed Met sixth inning man Joely Rodriguez. Everybody, you know, pay attention to us very briefly. Is that an upside play? Is that a depth play? And and clearly there was no like the market looked at the Joely Rodriguez signing and they were like, "All right, cool, enjoy." Like there was no ripple effect. Uh, how do you perceive that? The, the first of many moves for the Sox are just sort of a way to allocate some resources. I, I think it's the first of a bunch of moves that they're going to end up making. Um... I just, I, they have so much money to spend and I think they have to spend it, but I, I don't know. It's, it's so, oh, oh, I don't know. There's a lot of things that I want to say. I don't know. I don't know if I can necessarily say them, but um, I will say that signing was regarded by a bunch of people as like a, a relatively strong signing by the Red Sox because they thought the contract that he got was pretty light and it was pretty team friendly. So um, I think the Red Sox did well there, but um, yeah, it's yeah. I, I don't know. I, I got a lot of thoughts on on the Red Sox here. Um, I just yeah, I got to be. Uh, maybe I share them on the next one when I'm when I can think those through more clearly. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's not promising. They still think uh, the fans still think they're an Aaron Judge mystery team for whatever reason, and uh, the Red Sox are screaming loud and clear that they're going to behave a little differently now. Um, <clears throat> before we wrap the pod. 
I feel like it's strange that I've gotten this far and have not gotten an Aaron Judge update from you just because obviously that's pretty important to the way I operate and on a daily basis. I'm not going to put too much emotional stock in it, but Judge had his week touring with the San Francisco Giants last week. Uh, he did go home for Thanksgiving during his time home, met with the team, supposedly very encouraging for them. Uh, Steph Curry gave him a little call, said, you know, it's pretty fun to play in the Bay Area. Judge probably said, thank you for the call. Pretty irrelevant, but thanks for dropping by. Um, and then after all that, Jeff Passan still said, I see the Yankees as, a, as you know, the favorites here. Um, I don't want to name favorites. I don't want to name front runners. But do you feel like the San Francisco week changed the calculus at all? Or was this just the normal free agent process playing out? I So I have a bunch of different thoughts on this one. And I, I think – Obviously, Judge going to visit San Francisco shows, once again, that both sides are serious about a potential like partnership here. Um, and the Giants certainly have the money to sign Judge. Like Farhan Zaidi was pretty adamant at the GM meetings that they had the financial capability of signing anyone. Um, and that would include Aaron Judge. But Judge's visit with, um, with the Giants – Something I don't know. I, there was a video of him yeah. in San Francisco. Like Judge, like he's kept everything private about like about his free agency, and then all of a sudden this is made public. I wonder if that was for a reason, or if he just had like a random fan approach him. Um, I can't remember how the video surfaced, but the fact that like, yeah went right to John Morosi who had it first and it was sort of like there was a little MLB network tie-in too. It was certainly pretty polished. Yeah. And yeah, I just thought that was weird. And I wonder if that was out there for a reason. And that's just me like speculating. I, I don't have any insight on that one, but like, I don't know, something just, something didn't feel right there. Um, So I, I wondered if there was like a hidden meaning behind it, but I certainly think if there is a team that could still judge away from the Yankees, it is the Giants. I'm, they, they, they like him a lot. Yeah, it remains the Giants for me too. But you're right. Uh, the things that you won't say that I will say is it, it did feel a little manufactured. It seemed to drop right at the point when everybody was sort of counting the Yankees in the driver's seat here. And it was sort of a – with so few teams in the judge chase, like it's the Yankees, it's the Giants, it's kind of the Dodgers, probably the Dodgers, and beyond that, if you if there are mystery teams behind the curtains, announce yourselves now because this thing's going to get resolved relatively soon. With so few teams to drum up leverage from, how are you going to do it other than making the Giants' pursuit feel as realistic as possible? So that's what it kind of felt like to me. Not saying he's not going there. They're obviously considering him strongly. And maybe Hal Steinbrenner is lying to everyone's faces when he says we'll outbid X team for Judge. But the market is limited, so how else do you make a free agency tour? You make the Giants portion of the free agency tour as dramatic as possible. And that's coming from me, not you. No, exactly. And, um, and yeah, it's I'll, I'll tell you, Steinbrenner going on the record and saying that they won't be outbid for Aaron Judge. I, I've mentioned it on this pod before, and I'll say it again. Like That was not something that I would do because if you end up – if Judge leaves, you're going to look really, 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 really yeah. bad. Yeah. And that just places an un- unnecessary target on your back. And also, um, 
it gives a tremendous amount of leverage to a guy like Paige Odell, who is Judge's agent. Like, I'm telling you, like, Paige Odell has handled this very, very, very well. Like, he's not had anything leak that he didn't want. Um, and, like, we don't, like, we don't know much about Judge's free agency. No. And there's a lot of mystery. And you got the Yankees owner saying, we're not going to be outbid. You have the Giants having him out for a free agent tour. Um, so far, I think he's handling it very well. I'm very curious to see what this contract eventually looks like. But I know you said we might. We're. we're I know you said we're probably going to get like a resolution soon. I don't know about that. Um, yeah, it's this is this could be another one that maybe drags on. Maybe even it happens at the winter meetings. But I'm not getting my hopes up. A contract like that takes a lot of time, and and obviously ownership being involved too. I think it's funny, and I think it's reflective of the environment that Aaron Judge is a free agent. And look at the comments. Everybody, everyone had questions about everybody else. All the big four shortstops, the Red Sox, the Phillies, the Cubs, the Dodgers, the pitching market, DeGrom, Verlander. These names are flying, and Aaron Judge is just kind of like, nobody is asking about about our thoughts on Aaron Judge here, Um, even though he is the nearly unanimous AL MVP 62 home run hitter and everyone's just kind of resigned to him as the wallpaper in this free agency cycle, which is very funny to me. No, it's very funny. And you also, you want to know something is I just missed an NFL scoop. I'm not kidding you. Three minutes ago, I got a text saying Melvin Gordon of the chiefs and it just got reported by Ian Rappaport. Did that so, just happen? That just happened. Yeah. I was, I could have dropped some NFL news in the baseball insiders. Son of a gun. Golly. Well, if you're watching the baseball insiders, you probably aren't on Twitter right now. You probably didn't know. And there you go, Melvin Gordon in the Chiefs' backfield. Uh, how many running backs is too many running backs for the Kansas City Chiefs? Um, that's, a, that's a weird one. That's actually weird. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you, Wisconsin legend Melvin Gordon. I was at the game when he broke the uh, single-game rushing record against Nebraska. I remember so, that. Me, my dad, uh, my buddy Max, and another buddy Todd. So shout-out to all those guys. Got to give them some love on the baseball insiders here. I would love to be a part of big-time Big Ten college football. I feel like uh, – Obviously, Michael Scott. I feel like Michael Scott saying, you know, I love inside jokes. I'd love to be a part of one someday. Never really done the major college football thing. I don't have those memories. Sucks. No, that, that's one of two games that I've gone to. So we're, um, yeah, we're, uh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> my apologies for bringing up football. Uh, back to furious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you. I, yeah. We're uh, for two seconds there. We were the football insiders, but now we're back to the baseball insiders. My my apologies. We will never, ever steer in the other direction again, unless Burt's Eagles or my Giants are in the Super Bowl, which it's possible for one of those two teams to be in the Super Bowl. Um, Before we wrap this, before we wrap it up, um, winter meetings next week, just want to get your pulse on. we, We know it's going to be crazy. Which deals right now are you sort of eyeing? You know, which names are more in play than others? What should we be looking out for right when the winter meetings begins? So, yeah, I would not expect, like, from now until the winter meetings, I don't I don't expect any of those big shortstops or the big um, high-end starting pitchers. I don't expect them to sign before the winter meetings. Maybe it does happen during um, but like, if there's like one of those starting pitchers that signs, I bet you it's a guy like Evaldi. Um, but I would expect maybe a run on relievers cause we haven't really had that one yet. Um, I'll tell you the, a guy that I think could end up getting, um, a healthier contract than 
you'd expect is a guy like Matt Strom. Um, he had a he pitched very well for Boston last year. Flew a little bit under the radar, and he had like a, some hiccups here and there. Um, and there's not really that many left-handed relief options on the market, so I think you can end up getting oh yeah a relatively healthy one or two year contract. Um, so I think he's one that I'm watching, but I, I'm, I just I don't expect any of those top guys to go. But I could be wrong. But that's my indications as as of right now. Whether they go or not, there's going to be a lot of late night talking in beautiful San Diego, California, and you're going to be on site. I can't wait for you. I'll be here. I'll be. I'll be in New York. I will not be moving. Uh, but I was just in San Diego, beautiful city. Hope you get to see some of it while you're out there chasing scoops and leads. Um, but we are going to be beyond busy the week of the winter meetings. Uh, and I'll be here to hopefully facilitate some notebook emptyings daily as we get more clarity on what the market provides. Um, Robert Murray, thanks so much as always, man, for helping out. Uh, there's no show without you. And this was a power packed one coming out of the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, I don't think I expected it to be this power packed. So we got on, and I was like, mercy, it's just, it's overflowing. People yeah. want the information and we have it. Uh, but thank you so much for making that happen, man. No, thank you. And uh, the show would not be possible without you, man. I appreciate you as always. I appreciate everybody watching. Uh, without you guys, the show is absolutely not possible. I think I can speak for both Adam and I on that one. Um, yeah. But if you could please subscribe, that helps out a lot and allows us to provide that information for you guys twice a week. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you guys. We'll what, see you Thursday. We'll see you Thursday. You guys are the best. Like Robert said, like, subscribe to the channel. And if you missed the live feed, uh, the audio feed, we got a couple of questions. We'll be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those good spots, wherever you enjoy the podcast and your downtime. If Monday at 3.30 Eastern isn't for you, get the scoops on the go by subscribing to Baseball Insiders on your favorite podcast app. Listen to it after the fact. But we are going to be here live Thursday, 3.30 Eastern, uh, and then plenty of times the next week. Might even get to break the Hall of Fame, uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. Maybe going to let Barry Bonds in next week. Probably not, but uh, one can dream. Somebody's getting in. Probably Fred McGriff. Uh, We might break it on this podcast. Um, But until Thursday, Bert, thanks so much, man. Great show as always. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. We'll talk to everybody on Thursday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.